Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. We welcome you. We're glad you're here today. And a very Merry Christmas from Reach Church. Uh, we appreciate everyone, those uh, family that are here, many that are uh, here for the first time. We appreciate you being here. What a blessing it is to be together on uh, this Christmas Eve morning. I don't know what you have planned for Christmas, but uh, I just enjoy being together with family, right? And those that you love and uh, love watching uh, people open up gifts. And I know a lot of you uh, at this time of year, you've been spending a lot of time putting uh, your Christmas list together and maybe wrapping gifts and all of that. But how many know that Christmas is not just about Christmas trees, or it's really not about Christmas trees, but, you know, or decorations. It's really about Jesus. And so this morning, as we're going to continue this series that we've been talking about this whole month, what is Christmas or Christmas is, and today is Christmas is good news. Christmas is good news. And uh, we're going to read out of the book of Luke chapter 2, kind of the Christmas story, a few verses of the scripture here, and how it all came together and what was presented that day in Luke chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to his own hometown to register. And so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. That's very, very important. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Women know what time that is, right? And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. All the holiday inns were taken up already, and so they went to the barn there. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And here's what it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Could you imagine uh, this angelic host of angels that are pronouncing the birth of Christ? How scary that must have been. But the angel said to them, and this is the verse I want to focus on today, do not be afraid. Or many of us read, fear not, I bring you good news. This is good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the word of God. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for Jesus Lord, that came to be the Savior of the world. So I pray this morning that you would open our hearts on this Christmas Eve morning. Lord, you know what state of mind and where people are at right now in their hearts. And I pray that the Word of God, that this Christmas would be different for them. And Lord, I pray that they'll hear the message of the good news today. 
Help me to communicate that, Lord. I pray that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, so why was Jesus born in Bethlehem? And what was the reason why Jesus was born in that specific place? Now, here's the interesting thing, that it was prophesied hundreds of years that a Savior would be born in the town of Bethlehem. In fact, in one of the prophets by the name of Micah, there, uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, made a prophecy that he would be born or the ruler would be born in Bethlehem. And here's the fascinating facts about that is that uh, 700 years later after that prophecy, here we have the Romans are in control. All of these things are happening. And how is this savior going to be born in Bethlehem when this couple was in Nazareth, but we see that there's a, a census that has to take place and everyone has to go back to their hometown. I believe God coordinated it for a purpose so that Jesus would fulfill prophecy that day. And he would be born in Bethlehem exactly as the prophetic word gave. How many know that God does everything for a reason? God has the purpose behind everything that he does. There's the purpose for every river that you see. There's the purpose for every mountain that you see. And there's the purpose, I believe, for your life. For every human being, there is a purpose. And so I pray today that as you come here to reach church, that you will realize that God has a purpose for you. And this is why Jesus came 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, and the angel said, for unto you is born a Savior. And here's the thing. It's for your benefit. Jesus came for our benefit. Say, my benefit. Not Amazon's benefit, not Walmart's benefit, but our benefit. See, all of that has been commercialized, but the true meaning of Christmas is that Jesus was born for our benefit to bring us good news. So I want you to write this down. There's, I'm going to try to cover them today as fast as I can. Four reasons that I believe Jesus came to the earth, and he came on that Christmas day to bring us good news. And number one, you can write this down, Jesus came to reveal God's identity to us. In other words, he came to reveal who God was, to show us what God is really like. I always get a kick out of how people have their own philosophy about God. Have you ever listened to the radio or you ever listened to people on the internet and they'll give you these weird philosophies about who God is. And they say, God is like a tree, you know. And God is like, you know, my arm right here. And God is like a higher power, you know. I've read this one guy that said, oh, yeah, every once in a while, I just look up to heaven and I just throw him a kiss. And he says, yeah. I said, here, that's how I believe in God. Really, I don't care what you think about God. It's what the Bible says who God is. It's not our own little philosophies. People live by these philosophies. I don't even know where they got them, you know, where they got these ideals. But Jesus came to show us 
what God is really like. And many people think that God is like a, an old man, you know, he's hardly getting around, you know, like George Burns, you know, and, and uh, what is it, uh, Morgan Freeman, you know, he's trying to, uh, or God's some impersonal power. And this is what we call the Star Wars God, you know, uh, uh, use the force, Luke, use the force. He's not a force, guys. It's not a force. But a lot of people think that God is some kind of uh, Star Wars God. But can I tell you, God is a person, and his name is Jesus, and you can have a relationship with him. See, a lot of people have this image that God is an angry God, and he's just waiting for the right moment to strike you down. He's waiting for the moment that you do wrong. He's waiting for the opportunity. Man, I can't wait till you mess up and there's going to be a lightning that's going to hit you. And God isn't mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Can I tell you that he's madly in love with all of us today? In fact, the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. So God loves you today. And a lot of people don't realize that we can see God all around us. In fact, nature itself displays the splendor of God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Though everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his external power and divine nature. And so what does that mean? So they have no excuse for not knowing God. How many know behind every creation, there is a designer? And so behind us, somebody designed you. You didn't come as an accident. It wasn't a big bang. God created you. God created us. In fact, I, I, I look at God and I see that God loves variety. There's different flowers. There's different animals. There, there's different uh, uh, things in the earth. There's different, all of us look different. Not all of us are the same. Am I right? There, we come in different sizes, right? Tall, short, thin, right? Others are handsome and beautiful, and others have character. Hallelujah. You have <laughs> character. <laughs> One of my relatives had a baby, and, and she, she started realizing that her baby wasn't one of those cute babies. I know in your mind you think your baby's cute, but she realized that nobody ever called her baby cute. They would just say, that baby's got character. That baby has character. Next time somebody tells your baby, sees your baby, that baby's got character. Your baby's not one of those cute babies. That's okay. They get cuter as they get older, though, okay? Isaiah chapter 40 says that God holds the universe between his finger and his thumb. I've realized that God is organized. In other words, if you look at the solar system, if you look at all creation, scientists are, are still trying to tap into the solar system. They said there's billions and billions of stars. Can I tell you, God is organized. But most of all, here's the thing about God that we know through Jesus Christ is that God is love. I said God is love. He is, he, is, he personifies love. Again, John 3, 16 displays God's love toward all of us when he sent Jesus Christ to our, for our sins and he sent him here to the earth to die for us. In fact, this is where Jesus said we can call God our father. Do you realize that we're the only religion that we call God our father? He's your heavenly father. 
In fact, Jesus said, when you pray, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. A three-year-old girl said, I, I know how to pray. She said, our Father who does art in heaven, Harold is your name, she said. <laughs> Another person recited the Lord's Prayer and instead of saying our trash baskets, forgive us our trash baskets, she said, forgive, forgive us our trash baskets <laughs> as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. <laughs> She's really not that far, right? I mean, really, people are putting trash in your basket. So when we think about God, we should be thinking that God is a personal God and that we can have a relationship with him. And this is what Jesus displayed to all of us when he came to the earth, that we could relate to him. In other words, he came to display God's identity and who God was. And we can see who God is through Jesus. Jesus shows us exactly who God is. I remember reading about this kid who was making a drawing and uh, the teacher came to him. He goes, what are you drawing? She goes, I'm drawing a picture of God. She said, nobody knows what God looks like. Little boy looked up and said, they will after I get done. <laughs> right? The Bible tells us that God is powerful. In fact, John chapter 1, we see God in Jesus. John chapter 1, Jesus said this. No one has ever seen God, but his only son, who himself is God, is near to the Father's heart and has told, told us about him. So Jesus came to make God visible to us, that we could see God through Jesus Christ. And you can put away all these other books and all these philosophies, friend, but it'll never line up with the word of God. In fact, the Bible says when Jesus was born, the name given to him was Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. How many think, thank God that he's with us today? That God is with us, that he's with you. I read this quote, he said, if he wanted to relate to birds, if God wanted to relate to birds, he would have become a bird. If God wanted to relate to cows, he would have become a cow. If God wanted to communicate to ants, he would have become an ant. But he wanted to become a human being so he could relate to you and I. This is why Jesus was born into this world. Why was Jesus born in the world like a baby? Because no one's afraid of a baby. And God wanted you to know you don't need to be afraid of him. That he loves you, that he cares about you. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus came in First John or John chapter one, verse fourteen. The Word became flesh and lived for a while among us, and we have seen his glory—the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. So Jesus came to live with us. Jesus came to walk among us. Jesus came as a human being to show us who he was. And in fact, God can relate to you. You can know what, uh, God knows exactly what you're going through. Here's the thing about God, that you don't, we don't serve a God that doesn't know what it is to be human. He became a human being. He became like you and I. In fact, the book of Hebrews said that he was uh, tempted in every way. That in other words, he knows the weaknesses that we have. In fact, when Philip came to Jesus, uh, he said, uh, Philip came to Jesus in John chapter 14, and this is what it says. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. In other words, we want to see who God is. What is God really like? And Jesus answered it this way. Don't you know me, Philip? Anybody who has seen me 
has seen the Father. So Jesus came to reveal who God was so that we could relate to him today. And this is the good news today that Jesus came to tell you that you can have a relationship with him, that he loves you, that he cares about you, that you can walk hand in hand with God. Somebody say amen. That's the good news. A little boy was crying out to his dad. and He goes, I'm afraid of the dark, dad. Come here and be with me. And dad said, just grab your teddy bear. The little boy said, no, I want something with skin on it. How many know we want something with skin on it? See, Jesus came and he had skin on it. Hallelujah. Number two, write this down. The second reason why Christmas is something that we celebrate and that Christmas is Jesus is Jesus came to convey God's word to us. He came to convey God's word to you and I. And how we communicate this message of this good news, Jesus came to communicate this message of good news. In fact, he said this was the very purpose of why he came. Let me turn off my phone. I'm getting delivery notices, all this kind of stuff here. All right. Jesus said, don't be distracted. So here we go. John 18, 37 says this. It was a fact for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came to the world to testify to the truth. So Jesus came to convey God's word, which is truth. He came, basically, he is the truth. We have a world today that is looking for truth. Am I right? We have a world today that is in search of the truth. I mean, it's everywhere, man. People are posting things. People are saying things. And, and I found that on the internet, there's like no accountability. Anybody could just say whatever they want to say. In fact, all this fact-checking and all this other stuff kind of gone out the door. It's the thing of the past. But can I tell you, Jesus is still the truth. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. No one come to the Father but through me. Can I tell you, this is the dividing line right here. When Jesus made this statement, he divided it right there and said, this is the, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. In other words, I'm not one of many ways, I am the only way. I'm not here to point the way. I'm not the milky way. Can you say amen? I am the only way. So Jesus is declaring the truth that he's the only way. This is why people all over the world are celebrating the birth of Christ. If Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the life, if he's not the truth, then we're following a fraud. Then we're celebrating something that's not real. He said, I am the truth. He's not saying I'm part of the truth. He's not saying I'm some of the truth. He says, I am the truth. I embody the truth. He says, and I am the life, and no one come to the Father but by me. You know why I know that the Bible is real? Because people wrote it and put their faults in it. You know, if I would have wrote the book, I would have highlighted all the best things in my life. But when you read the Bible, do you realize when you read the Bible, it has rape in it, incest, greed, violence, deceit, treachery? Did you know that? Because it's exposing the lies. The truth exposes lies. The truth exposes darkness. 
all the biographies of the great men and women of God, you, always, you also see all their weaknesses. You also see all their failures. The Bible talks about Satan. The Bible talks about good and evil. The Bible talks about all of these things. It doesn't gloss over them. It brings it. It reveals it to you and I. In fact, Jesus said in John 8, 32, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Freedom doesn't come from the government. Freedom doesn't come in a bottle. Freedom comes in a person, in the truth. His name is Jesus. That's the good news. And here's the thing, you know, the reason why we don't listen to it because we don't like to hear the truth. See, before you receive the truth, it'll tick you off first. You know why people don't like the truth? Because it doesn't agree with them. We want, we want to hear what we want to hear. We want only want to hear. You know why? Because you can't handle the truth. Hallelujah. Jesus is the truth. This is why Jesus made that point. He didn't come to hide the truth. He came to reveal the truth. He came to basically make you aware of what the truth is. It's not all of these other truths. He is the truth. And not only is he the truth, but he will, he will, he's the light of the world. The Bible says this in uh, John 12, 46. I've come to the world as the light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. You know that in Christmas time, here in the northern hemisphere here, that it's the darkest time of the year. It's here, over here in this side, on the northern hemisphere right here. This is why we, we do all this daylight savings time. It, we're, we're like in the darkest time of the year is in this part of the world. So this is why Jesus can light up your life. Hallelujah. That's why I like Christmas lights. And sometimes like... Keep the Christmas lights on till February. I've had them on as late as March, believe it or not. I'm one of those guys, yeah. I actually got a notice one time from the city. Say, hey, you, you got to take down those holiday lights. Like, I love the holiday lights. What's the problem? So you got to take them down. I had a neighbor, though. They, they keep them on all year. Am I right, honey? They go, there you go. Well, it's just normal for them. It's just, it looks like Christmas, but they look like Christmas every year with those people. Amen. It's all right. So, have you ever been where it's like really, really, really dark? Man, in a real, really, really dark place. I've been to a place in the Sequoia Mountains, if you've ever been there, and they have a place called Crystal Cave, and you have to hike down about a half a mile. And in this cave, it's between 48 and 50 degrees year around. Literally, we went in the summertime, and they tell us, you make sure to get it wear a jacket. Here it is. It's hot. And they go, when you get into this cave, it, it was 50 degrees down there. But it's the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen. Uh, it, it, it's uh, basically it's marble. And then as the water goes through it, it forms what they call these, uh, what, what the way I wrote it down, calcite uh, type of crystals. I don't know if we have a picture up there. We can probably put it up there. And I don't know if you could see the beauty, but it's it, like these calcites as the water comes. And you go into this cave, and I didn't realize that the cave is actually lighted, right? You just think it's like natural light coming through. But actually, there's light in here. And so, and you can take it down. And they basically get us, it's a tour, because they don't want you to touch things you're not supposed to touch. And so, uh, it's a guided tour. And... Toward the end of the, um, of the tour, they make us gather there at the bottom, 
and uh, they make us kind of get in a circle. And they say, we're going to turn off the lights. And we want you to stay where you're at because you're not going to be able to see nothing. And so, you know, they, they, you know the, the guy's guiding us and said, okay, we'll turn off, the, turn off the light. I mean, it's pitch black. And he, and he tells us, put your hand in front of your face and see if you can even see your hand. It's so dark. It's kind of freaky, man. I have to be like, wow, this, I've never been this, this dark. And I'm, I'm trying to see my hand. I'm, I've got it right here. I can't even see my hand. It is so, so dark. I just come to tell you today, your life may seem dark, but I know someone that can light up your life. His name is Jesus today. Maybe you're going through a dark time right now. Maybe your marriage is in a dark time. Maybe your finances are in a dark time. Can I tell you, Jesus came to light the way. I mean, I love it. How many love that when, you, when you're walking somewhere and somebody has put those little hall lights or the little plug lights, man, that let you see where you're going. Are you going to a, a theater where it's all dark and you can see the, the trail of lights? I mean, it gives you some hope. Can I tell you, that's what Jesus came. He came to light up your life. Number three, Jesus came to reclaim God's creation. He came to reclaim your life. He came to reclaim our lives today. Let me explain this because the Bible tells us in the Garden of Eden, there was no sorrow at that time. There was no suffering. There was no pain. There was no sin. There was no tears, no toil. Everything was perfect. If you read the story in the book of Genesis, when man sinned, Adam chose to disobey God, Adam and Eve, and sin entered into the world and the world became broken. It's why we live in a broken world. Our bodies are broken. How many know they get old? They deteriorate. All of a sudden the chest comes down. Hallelujah. For you guys, you're walking around, all of a sudden the chest is down here. Uh, you know, when, when you start getting older, everything changes. And everything is broken. Our weather is broken. Our bodies are broken. Our DNA is breaking down. Why you got all kinds of Defects, all kinds of things, uh, why people have medical conditions. Uh, this world is imperfect. The moment sin entered into the world, brokenness entered into it. The perfection was broken. And this is why we have broken relationships. We brought broken promises. We have all kinds of brokenness. Uh, and Jesus came to restore, or he came to rebuild, uh, or bring back those who have been broken. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 19. For Jesus said, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So literally, when the world became broken, people moved away from God. And you and I are lost without God. Somebody say amen. Our friendship, our harmony, our relationship with God had been broken. And Jesus came to restore or to reclaim that relationship with us so that we can have a relationship with him. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, somebody thinks, well, when something, when somebody, you know, when you refer to something being lost or to a person being lost, people can get offended. I'm not lost, you know. You're lost. I'm not lost. They, you know, people get mad. It's like they think it's a put down. 
They say, you're lost. What? I'm not lost. You're lost. You know, you know all this. And they, they think it's an inferior thing. But how many know you don't lose something unless it's valuable? And actually, the compliment. If you're lost, that means you're so valuable. We need to find you. How many know when you lose the bobby pin, you don't lose it, you misplaced it, right? Who cares about that? You don't really lose the pin, you misplace the pin. But a person that's important to you, and you lose them, they're valuable. Can you imagine if I went, you know, I have three sons. Can you imagine if my three sons, when they were small, we went up to the Sequoias, and as we went up, you know, uh, and one of them got lost, and we came back down. I said, man. And I told my wife, you know, I got the two, but we lost the other one. <laughs> two out of three ain't bad, you know. I think, we can, I think we'll make it. We'll be okay. Some of your family say, hey, let's do that. No. <laughs> Lose one of those kids. No. <laughs> you wouldn't just kind of like say, hey, no, no big deal. You'd say, we got to go find that kid. He's valuable. We need him. Need that tax write-off. No, we need him. We value that kid. I'm just kidding. Come on. I'm joking. All my kids are old now, okay? Couldn't lose them. We tried, but we couldn't lose that kid. He found us. Anyway. Oh, I have a little humor, guys. Come on. Don't get all religious on me. So lostness implies value. When something is lost, that means you value them. In fact, there's a whole chapter in the Bible, Luke chapter 15. I recommend that you go home and read it. It talks about lostness. It talks about three types of lostness. In other words, if a woman loses the coin, another person loses the sheep, and of course, the, we know it as the prodigal son, uh, a lost son. All of them are, valu- are valuable. It talks about Really, it's kind of spiritual lostness because of our nature, spiritual lostness because of circumstances, and spiritual lostness because of our rebellion against God. The Bible says that the loving father goes after the son, waiting for him, or or he's waiting for his son. He's praying. He's hoping that his son comes back. Uh, The woman that loses the coin, she does everything to find it. And the one that loses that lost sheep, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. How many know we were the one? And so we're going back to, to bring, to restore, to bring back that which was lost. And Matthew 20 says, I did not come into the world to be served, but to serve and to give my life as the ransom for many. This is why when the, uh, the, the angels pronounced the, the, the birth of Christ, uh, he says, for unto you. In other words, uh, I, I, Jesus came for you. He came to rescue you. He came to rescue because you're lost and because you're valuable. I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary. In fact, there's a movie uh, about these 13 children that are trapped, these 13 kids that are trapped in a cave in Thailand. I recommend you guys watch it. I'm not going to give you how they get rescued because how they get rescued is like, whoa. I think I was at Robin Carly's house. You guys told me about it, and I, I said, let's watch it, man. So we watched the movie. I mean, it was heavy. It's a, it, it's a documentary of what these kids, they went into this cave to explore, and normally that kind of time of year, you could do that. So they were inside the cave, and then a monsoon rain came, and all of a sudden, the water began to flood this cave, and they couldn't get out. 
And so they got stuck there. They found out, and they got all these volunteers. They said there were over 10,000 volunteers. There were over 100 divers. There were 100 a government agency. There were 1,000 police officers, 2,000 soldiers. They said all these helicopters, that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars was spent to rescue these 13 children. Why? Because they're valuable. Can I tell you, Jesus gave up his life. He died on the cross to save your soul. I said to save your soul. He went out of his way to come to this earth. I read this quote. I'll read it again. I've read it many times. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, he would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a savior. How many thank God for that? He sent us a savior. And our fourth one, I'm just going to go forward to this last one here. Jesus came to give you life, real life. See, a lot of us, yeah, you're alive, you're living, but you don't, you're just existing. You're not really living. If you don't have God in your life, hear me out. Hear, this is the truth. You're existing. You're not really living. You don't know what it really is to live life until you have the God life. John chapter 10, Jesus made this statement. He said, I've come that you might have life and that you would have life to the fullest or more abundantly. He didn't say, I come that you have rules and regulations. I come that you can have religion. No, he said, I come to give you life. See, a lot of people confuse religion with Jesus. It's not religion, it's relationship. Jesus didn't come to give us religion. He came to give us relationship. And most people don't realize that their life they're living is they're simply existing. You get up in the morning, you eat breakfast, you go to work, you come home, you watch TV, and then, you know, you wait, you go to sleep, and maybe in the weekends you, you kind of relax, and that's kind of what you do. You're, you're, you're existing, you're not living. And Jesus is saying, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In other words, a lot of us today, we don't realize that we're carrying more junk than we're willing to admit. There are things in your life that need to come out. There are things in your life that God wants to clean up. This is what the abundant life does. It gives you peace. It gives you hope. We've been talking about it this whole month. There are things in our life that only God can take away, that only God can cleanse. In fact, let me show you this, this machine. I was really fascinated. It's only, it's only like 50 seconds. I'm going to show you this machine. Go ahead and put the video on. I was really fascinated by this machine.
some of the most polluted rivers in the world. And this little barge, or this interceptor, as they call it, collects thousands of plastics and junk, and it cleanses or cleans these rivers, something so simple. And yet, it works on solar, so it doesn't have to be powered by any kind of gas or electricity. And it removes that. I was thinking about that. Wouldn't it be great if there could be a machine that can take away all your worries, all your anxieties, all your problems, all your fears, all your bitterness, all your loneliness, all your self-absorption. Can I tell you, there is someone that can clean your life up. His name is Jesus. It's called salvation. That's the good news. The good news is Jesus says, I can clean up your life. I can give you that abundant life. I can forgive you. I can take all that junk that is clogging your life right now. Even as you see the machine cleaning up this river, man, God can clean up your life just the same way. In fact, the Bible says this. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, no mere man has ever seen or heard or even imagined the wonderful thing God has ready for those who love him. See, we often think about Christmas as the time to give gifts, but can I tell you, the greatest gift was Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, 14, 15 says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So the good news is that Jesus came to be the gift of life to you. He came today because he loves you and he cares about you. And maybe you've had a tough year. Maybe you're wondering, what's the new year going to look like? And I tell you, let Jesus make a difference in your life. Let the Savior of the world, the one we've been singing about today, be the one to give you life. Let me pray right now. Why don't we bow our heads? I'm going to pray over you. Father. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.